0: Hello, it's me. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Fangirl Podcast. This is episode number two. Coming in hot with that Hello, it's me entrance from the one and only song by Adele called Hello. Um, This episode, we're going to be talking about Adele. So I'm really excited. She is an incredible artist, and through the research that I've done on her has only gotten me more excited about her and more passionate about her and her music. So we're going to dive right into it. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to give you guys some background on me. My name is Liz. I started this podcast as a quarantine pandemic project. Um, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of music mostly by female singer-songwriters or bands that were all female or pop artists that are female and was really just loving their music and learning a lot about their lives. And I wanted to create a podcast to share a bit more information with the world about these amazing ladies. So that's how I got here. Um, My name is Liz. You know, you can follow us on social media, I'm planning on doing a lot more episodes about lots of different artists. Um, So definitely follow us on social media so you can keep up. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Fangirl Podcast. And we also have uh, an account on Spotify. So when I'm making all these podcasts, I'm doing a lot of research about the artists and who inspires them. And uh, I've been making a lot of playlists featuring the featured artists plus their inspirations on, on the playlist. So if you go to Spotify, find me on Spotify. I am at Lizzie B. And you can find playlists that are centered around this artist. So the playlists that I'm making are meant to be inspired by these artists and the artists that came before them that inspired those artists. So when you're listening to the playlist that I made for the Adele episode, you're listening not only to Adele, but you're listening to many of the artists that inspire her. So on the playlist, you'll find artists such as Ella Fitzgerald, Etta James, the Spice Girls, Pink, Beyonce, in addition to Adele. So I hope that you guys find the playlist and enjoy those playlists. I hope that when you listen to the playlist, you hear not only Adele's music, but also the artists that inspired her. And I think you'll start to see some patterns there. I think you'll hear some similarities. I hope that you hear the inspiration that Adele had growing up in London, listening to a lot of these artists and then going to school and learning how to sing and and write music and releasing our albums. So hope you guys enjoy. You can find me on Spotify at Lizzie B. And check out those podcasts. Um, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The reviews are really what kind of bumps you up on the charts with Apple. And I love hearing feedback from people I'm still learning how exactly to edit audio, so any feedback you guys have would love to hear that. You can DM me on Instagram or Twitter, uh, but definitely rate, review, and subscribe um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, let's get into Adele. So today we're talking about Adele. So Adele's full name is Adele Laurie Blue Atkins. She was born on May 5th, 1988, so she's 32 years old and she is exactly 26 days older than I am and way more successful and more talented. So thanks a lot, Adele. <laughs> but she was born in Tottenham, which is a part of London and in, in the UK. She's a Taurus and she grew up in West Norwood, London, which is just east of Balham, which is a funky little village where I actually worked for a couple months in 2016, so we'll get into that later. But I like to think that I worked near Adele's hometown, which I think is pretty cool. Um, So to give you some context here, West Norwood is just south of Brixton, which is a very cool, a very trendy part of London right now. Brixton historically has been um, home to a lot of different refugees and, and a lot of different cultures from all over the world. So really diverse part of London, a lot of really great food in Brixton, a lot of really great bars, restaurants. It's very, very buzzy. Um, it's a really cool part of the city. So her hometown is just south of Brixton and just above Crystal Palace, which is a massive football stadium. So you might have heard of Crystal Palace. The team that plays here is called Crystal Palace Football Club, and they play in the Premier League which is the highest level of British football. So Adele grew up in West Norwood, sandwiched between Brixton and Crystal Palace. And fun fact, I've actually driven through West Norwood and gotten into a minor traffic accident there. Um, in late 2016, I was working for a travel company called Trek America, and they were based in Ballum, London. And on my first day there, my manager and I had to drive through West Norwood to get to another office in another part of the city. And as part of my job, I was going to be driving the company vehicle in London. So first day in the UK, just got off a flight, totally you know, exhausted, didn't sleep at all on the flight, totally jet lagged. So we drive through West Norwood, go to the office. And then my manager says to me, oh, Liz, are you ready to drive back now? I was like, um, excuse me? He's like, oh, yeah, just hop in the car. It's your turn to drive. Show me what you got. So we get in the car. It's this Volkswagen Jetta wagon. The wheel is on the wrong side of the car, so it's on the right side of the car. And I was driving on the left side of the road. So you can imagine how terrified I was <laughs> driving in West Norwood and Ballum and Brixton in the middle of the day. It was crazy. So we get in the car. We're driving back. I'm actually doing okay. Went around a few roundabouts. I'm feeling a bit more confident. Still kind of hugging, you know, the curb a little bit because that oncoming traffic is mildly terrifying when you're driving in the UK for the first time on very little sleep. (laughs) So we're driving, we're driving. We are, I swear to God, 10 minutes back, 10 minutes away from the office. I go around a corner, hugged the corner a little bit too tightly and bam, I hit the left side rear view mirror on somebody's mailbox. The mailbox is destroyed. The mirror is shattered. My manager is in the car with me, saw it all happen. And I got in trouble. So that's my claim to fame. I've driven through Adele's hometown, got into a minor traffic accident there and lived to tell the tale. So there you have it. Um, It's a great part of London. I mean, really accessible. There's a few train stops throughout the city. It's kind of like Brixton, West Norwood, Ballam, and then the next stop is called Tooting. And the next stop after that is called Tooting Beck. So a really fun part of the city. Definitely recommend you go check it out while you're down there, whenever you get to the UK, if you go. Um, So anyway, Adele's a a London girl. Uh, When she was growing up, um, her dad left when she was about two years old. So she was mostly raised by her mum. And growing up, she was raised London, the family moved down to Brighton, which is on the south coast of England. It's actually where my aunts and uncles live. And it's a really lovely city on the sea coast, Absolutely beautiful. So she lived in Brighton for a few years. And then her and her mum moved back to London. Uh, first they moved to Brixton. And then they moved to West Norwood. So that's her hometown. Um, she wrote a song about her hometown called Hometown Glory when she was only 16 years old. And Adele's really been inspired by her hometown. Um, She sang and played guitar as a kid when she was um, school age, you know, about 10, 11, she enrolled at the Brit School in London. And this is a really unique school. Um, It's a school with a mandate to provide education and vocational training for the performing arts, media, arts and design, and the technologies that make performance possible. So this is only one of three performing arts and technology schools in the country, that are free to attend. So this is where Adele went to school. Um, she probably started, she's probably about 14. Um, it's like a high school in the UK. And in order to get in, you have to apply, go through some auditions, it's a very selective process. So it was a really big deal that she got into the school here. Um, to give you a sense of who else went to the school, some of the alumni of this school include Amy Winehouse, Jesse J, Leona Lewis, Imogen Heap, lots of other artists and writers and performers in the UK. So she was in very good company here at at the Brit School. Um, so the Brit School is located in the London Borough of Croydon, and the school was founded in 1991. Um, it was founded in part of you know an initiative through a sponsorship with the British Record Industry Trust, AKA BRIT for Brit. And each year the Brit Awards music ceremony raises money some of which is used to help the continuing sponsorship of the school along with other music charities. So a little bit about the founding of this school. It's pretty interesting. The founder was a guy named Mark Featherstone, and he wanted to create a school that would provide technological guidance and assistance to kids that were interested, interested in the arts in the UK. So he got Richard Branson involved to initially fund the school Um, He approached Sir Richard Branson to be the project champion and he agreed on the condition that other record companies chipped in. So Richard Branson, of course, founded Virgin Records, very successful, uh, very influential, you know, key player in the music industry in in the UK here. So as it happened, the British phonographic industry, because that's a thing, uh, (laughs) they were concerned with home taping and realized that they had no political influence to bring the necessary pressure to bear. So basically, the British phonographic industry was concerned about record sales and making sure that records were being produced legally and not copied in the UK. So they wanted to kind of create a school and create you know, a greater industry to help British musicians thrive in the UK. So um, for nearly 30 years, the Brit school has been the beneficiary of funding from the British record industry, with a substantial annual contribution from the proceeds of the Brit Awards, administered via the record industry's charity, the Brit Trust. So, it's a storied institution in the UK. Um, it's a really big deal to go to the Brit School. Um, every year, they have a Brit Awards music ceremony, and this ceremony raises money, some of which is used to help the continuing sponsorship of the school, along with other music musical charities in the UK. So. It's a pretty incredible resource that is based right here in London. Um, At the school itself, there's two different theaters. There are dance and art studios. There are recording studios. Uh, YouTube Music just funded a brand new music studio there. So definitely seems like YouTube is betting on new artists coming out of the school. They're definitely betting on more artists releasing music through YouTube, of course. So it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty heavy hitter you know, in terms of educating really great artists and writers and musicians in the UK. Um, Yeah, and in order to get in, you apply, and then you are invited to audition or an interview. It's a very selective process. And Adele got in and was in class with a lot of other musicians and artists. Um, She graduated in May of 2006, also the same year that I graduated from high school. And I went to a boring public high school in New Jersey, not quite the Brit school, (laughs) but she graduated in 2006. A few months after her graduation, her friend posted a demo that she had made at the school to MySpace. You guys remember MySpace? It was the kind of precursor to Facebook, precursor to, I mean, I can't even compare it to Instagram, but it was the original social media. There was a guy named Tom who was the founder. He was like on everybody's friend list, kind of weird, but I definitely had one of these back in elementary school and high school. I hope the site has been taken down yet. I don't know if it exists anymore, but I sure hope it doesn't. (laughs) So anyway, Adele had her music posted to this MySpace site and she actually started gaining a lot of traction through this MySpace site. Um, The songs did really well. And she was actually noticed by a manager, a guy named Richard Russell of XL Recordings. Um, He was also based in London. They met up and he recommended that she start working with a manager. And then she was officially signed to the label in September of 2006, only four months after she had graduated. So pretty incredible way to start your post-high school career, if I say so myself. (laughs) So it's September of 2006, and she had just been signed to XL Recordings in London, and here she started working with Jim Abbas, who produced many of the songs on the albums 19 and 21. So she starts working on her record here in London. About a year later, in June of 2007, she made her TV debut on the BBC, singing Daydreamer, and then her song, Hometown Glory, came out in October of 2007. So... Spent about a year working on the album. Then in 2007, she starts making her debut on TV. Uh, The song Hometown Glory, as I said, came out in October of 2007. This song was written when she was only 16 years old. It's about her hometown of London and her love for the city. Uh, I think I put it on the playlist, so you guys go check it out there. Um, It's an interesting first single because it's not exactly catchy pop music, it's kind of a dreary, walking through the streets on a rainy day kind of song. It's a beautiful song. But compared to many other artists, it's not a very catchy first pop single. Like thinking about Britney Spears, her first single was Baby One More Time. Thinking about the Spice Girls, their first single was Wannabe. Christina Aguilera, first single, Jeannie in a Bottle. I mean, it's a very different first song ever to put out there. Um, but it did really, really well. You know, it's, I think, very It's a very emotional song. It really captures how Adele feels about her hometown. It's a beautiful song, but maybe not the song that I would recommend to put out as a first single. But then again, I'm not her producer. So probably for the best. Um, So then after she released that song in 2008, she started touring and she was supported by Damien Rice Um, in early of January of 2008. The album 19 was officially released in the UK. Uh, The song Chasing Pavements was released, and it charted at number two on the UK charts and stayed there for a month. So this album was really kind of touted as a jazz and soul album. She wasn't quite breaking into the pop category just yet. So Hometown Glory, I guess, is very much a soulful, kind of more slow ballad type of song, and I think she was trying to fit into that jazz soul category at the time. So in March of 2018, she signed with Columbia Records to start breaking into the U.S. I'm sorry, not 2018, March of 2008, (laughs) a long time ago. Um, That same month of March of 2008, she did a brief tour in the U.S. Uh, She toured for a little while in the States. She did a lot of stops in the South in the U.S. And then she canceled a lot of her dates because she didn't want to be away from her current boyfriend at the time. She also hated flying. She got really homesick when she was away from London and she hated touring at that point in her life. I mean, she was still quite young at that point. She was maybe 19 or 20 years old and she hadn't really spent much time abroad. So I can imagine how she would get a little homesick, but she canceled that the rest of her dates in the the U.S. She almost didn't make her career happened in the U.S. because of that. She wanted to be back home in London with her boyfriend. I think this was Mark Shapiro at the time. And she almost threw away her shot to make it in America. So thankfully, in October of 2008, she wasn't doing so well in the U.S. She was didn't have much name recognition. Songs weren't doing so well. But then in October of 2008, she was booked on SNL where vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin was also scheduled to appear. So you guys remember those episodes. Tina Fey was doing Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin and John McCain were running for the presidential and vice presidential um, ticket for the Republican Party that year. They both made multiple appearances on SNL. So Adele was there, coincidentally, the same weekend that Sarah Palin was scheduled to appear. So that show on October 18th of 2008, had over 17 million viewers. Huge for Saturday Night Live. Even for a well-known show like SNL, that was huge numbers for them. Adele performed Chasing Pavements and Cold Shoulder on the show, and the following day, her album 19 topped the iTunes charts and ranked at number five on Amazon, while the song Chasing Pavements rose into the top 25. Uh, couple more stats on this album. It was a really incredible overnight success for her. Um, The album reached number 11 on the Billboard 200 as a result, a jump of 35 places over the previous week. In November of 2008, Adele moved to Notting Hill, London after leaving her mother's house, a move that prompted her to give up drinking. She had been drinking a lot and smoking a lot prior to that. And her album was then certified gold in early 2009, by the Recording Industry Association of America. By July of 2009, the album had sold 2.2 million copies worldwide. Uh, Later in February of 2009, Adele won the award for Best New Artist, in addition to the award for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Chasing Pavements. So, a lot happened in a really short time period here. Her career in the U.S. was pretty blah. Up until October of 2008, she appears on SNL and then boom, she is made it in the U.S. Um, Pretty incredible story. She recently appeared on SNL. I think it was two weekends ago. It was mid-October of this year. She appeared on SNL and in her opening monologue, she came out and said, 12 years ago in 2008, I wasn't doing so well in America. I came on SNL and then everybody knew me. She actually gave a shout out to Lauren Michaels on the show in that opening monologue. Um, definitely go check it out. It's a great monologue. Um, On the most recent episode of SNL, she was the host and she did not perform her music. There was another musical guest on the show. So it was really cool to see Adele acting, doing the sketches on SNL, not being the the musical guest. So she owes a lot to SNL, (laughs) to say the least. So, after her first album came out, she started working on her second album titled 21. And all of these albums reflect the age at which she wrote most of the music. So, her first album was 19, second album was 21, third record was 25. Um, in January of 2011, she released the album 21, which was produced by Rick Rubin in LA, Paul Epworth in London, and Ryan Tedder, um, also produced the album. Ryan Tedder is the frontman of the band One Republic. And... Pretty cool to me that she worked with Rick Rubin on her second album. Um, Rick Rubin is a very well-known music producer. He's based in LA, in Malibu. He owns a studio called Shangri-La, and he's a kind of funny-looking dude. He's got a huge mane of hair, massive beard, but he is a heavy hitter in the world of music in LA. Um, Along with Russell Simmons, he's actually the co-founder of Def Jam Recordings. Maybe you've heard of it. And he also established American recordings. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, he really helped to popularize hip hop music. He worked with the Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, Ghetto Boys, Run DMC, everybody you can imagine. And he really helped to popularize hip hop music. Um, He's had a very impressive career. Back in the early 80s, he was working with those artists to give you a sense of the artists that he's worked with, it's been everybody from hip hop to pop to rock to indie to country to metal. He's done everything under the sun. Here's a couple of the artists that he's worked with. In the 80s, it was Run DMC, LL Cool J, The Cult, Public Enemy, Jazzy J, Slayer, Beastie Boys. Then moving on to the 90s, a few of the artists he worked with were The Black Crows. Ghetto Boys, Trouble, Red Hot Chili Peppers. He produced the Blood Sugar Sex Magic record, which is insane. It's one of my favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper albums ever. Amazing record. He worked with Sir Mix-a-Lot. He worked with Mick Jagger. He worked with Joan Jett, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, Johnny Cash, Sir Mix-a-Lot. I mean, that just gives you a sense of his career right there. (laughs) A lot of amazing artists here. He worked with Sheryl Crow. With Melanie C of the Spice Girls, he worked with Johnny Cash a couple times. Um, ACDC, dc Nine Inch Nails, Lords of Acid, Milk, like a lot of '90s kind of grunge bands. Here, in the 2000s, he worked with Eagle Eye Cherry, uh, Macy Gray, Aerosmith, Audio Slave, The Mars Volta, Limp Bizkit, Jay Z. He produced "99 Problems," one of Jay Z's best records, in my humble opinion. He worked with Slipknot. Lil Jon and the East Side Boys. He produced the album Crunk Juice in 2004. So thank you very much, Rick Rubin. We all needed that album in our lives. <laughs> he worked with Weezer in 2005. System of a Down. Um, Audio Slave, Shakira, Neil Diamond, Johnny Cash again. He worked with Shakira. Chili Peppers again. He produced the Stadium Arcadium album, which came out in 2006. The Dixie Chicks. Justin Timberlake produced the Future Sex Love Sounds album. Which is an excellent record. Poison, Kanye West and Nas, Vanessa Carlton, Coheed and Cambria, Neil Diamond, Weezer again, Jacob Dylan, Metallica, Pete Yorn, The Avett Brothers, Brandy Carlisle, I mean, Josh Groban, Kid Rock, Adele, Twenty One. Um, shall I go on? He's an incredible producer. He's worked with pretty much everybody under the sun in the music industry. Uh, lives out in Malibu, has this beautiful studio called Shangri La, and he's quite a prolific record producer. So, Adele worked with him on her second album, and on her second album, 21, you'll find hits such as Rollin' in the Deep, Someone Like You, Set Fire to the Rain, so many other classic Adele songs on that album. Definitely recommend you guys go check it out if you haven't already. Uh, this album was. Praised by critics for its understated production, vintage aesthetic, and Adele's vocal performance, Twenty One really defied the modest commercial expectations of her independent record label XL Recordings. At that time, she was still on a pretty small record label, but she really put out you know one hell of a record for being on such a small, not very well known label. Here, Um, the album itself topped the charts in more than thirty countries and became the world's best-selling album of the year for two thousand eleven and two thousand and twelve. In the UK, it is the best-selling album of the 21st century, the fourth best-selling album of all time, and the best-selling album by a female—excuse me, by a solo artist of all time. While its 23-week tenure atop the UK album chart is the longest held by a female solo artist, so she crushed in the UK in 2011. In the US. The album held the top position for 24 weeks, which is longer than any other album since 1985, and the longest by a female solo artist in Billboard 200 history. Also, it had the most weeks on the Billboard 200 chart of any album by a woman and was ranked as the greatest Billboard 200 album of all time. It was certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. It was a really, really big deal. This was really her first album album. That she released in the UK in the US, and people kind of knew more about her. You know, 19, I don't remember being as popular in the US. I don't even remember hearing about 19 until after I had heard of 21 and fallen in love with a record 21. So 21 was my gateway drug for Adele. 21 introduced me to 19, introduced me to her hometown glory single, introduced me to Adele. And pretty amazing that this was her sophomore record and she was working with these incredible producers in LA and in London. And she really, I think captured America's heart with her album 21. So the album itself was mostly inspired by her recent breakup with her lover. Again, I think it was Mark Shapiro. There's not a whole lot of information out there about him, but he was 10 years her senior. So they broke up after she had finished recording her album 19 and the album Twenty One is really her breakup record. Um, She was devastated by this experience. A lot of the songs on Twenty One reflect that breakup experience. Um, Again, she was 21, maybe 20 years old when she was writing these songs. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was an idiot when I was 20 and 21. I was doing very stupid things at those ages. Still, I'm to be honest. And I think it's incredible how she could channel her emotions into these beautiful ballads These beautiful, heartfelt songs. Um, Just, I mean, her talent is incredible, especially at such a young age. To be able to be mature enough to channel those emotions into something as productive as writing a song and not channel those emotions into something like, you know, drunk texting your ex. That's really the genius here of Adele. (laughs) I mean, maybe she did drunk text her ex, but she also wrote a Grammy-winning album (laughs) after this breakup. So the album is pretty cool. It's mostly inspired by a more Southern soul type of music, uh, inspired more by blues and rock roots. You know, a lot of those influences on the album here. Um, When she was touring the U.S. in 2008, she was actually spending a lot of time in the South, Nashville, Austin, you know, doing a lot of festivals in those cities and trying to get more involved in the music scene in that part of the country. Been rumored that maybe she picked up a lot of those influences while she was touring the US in 2008. Um, I read somewhere online that she and her tour bus driver took frequent smoke breaks while they were on the road. And allegedly, he introduced her to more southern types of music you know, gospel, blues, soul, rockabilly, all those different influences she was exposed to in 2008 on her first tour here in the US. So she was writing and recording at 21. She had recorded most of the songs on the album, and then she found out that her ex-lover was engaged. And this was towards the end of the album. Most of the songs had been written or recorded at this point, but this was really the key moments that inspired her to write the song, Someone Like You. It's a beautiful song. It's a very simple song. It's just piano and Adele singing over the piano. There's not much else in the background, but you can really hear her emotion in that song. The lyrics are heartbreaking, but so beautiful. So imagine being that devastated over a heartbreak and then creating such a beautiful song out of your pain. I mean, I wish I had those skills. Oh, it's incredible. So the album itself, you know, as I mentioned, was described as a pop soul, R and B, more roots style of, of music here. Um, 21 was very successful. It hit number one in 30 countries including the UK and the US. Um, She did a a very emotional performance of Someone Like You at the 2011 Brit Awards. So she was performing at the Brit Awards uh, ceremony to benefit her alma mater in the UK. And after that performance, um, that performance really propelled her song to number one in the UK. Um, Her first album, 19, re-entered the UK album chart alongside the album 21, while first and second singles rolling in the deep and someone like you were in the top five of the UK singles charts, which made Adele the first living artist to achieve the feat of two top five hits in both the official singles chart and the official albums chart simultaneously. She was the first artist to do that since the Beatles in 1964. So again, killing it right out the gates here, Adele. Um, she releases 21 19 comes back into fashion and she's off to the races so it's an amazing record and 21 actually had the most weeks on the billboard 200 chart of any album by a woman fun fact for you and in february of 2011 actually on february 14th 2011 she did an npr tiny desk concert which is just incredible um Definitely recommend you go to YouTube and check it out. She performs in the NPR music offices in Washington, D.C. NPR does a great series called Tiny Desk, where they bring an artist literally into their office and they perform. No backup dancers, no production, just acoustic sets in their office. Um, Adele came in. She looks super young. She was, you know, 21 at this point. And um, she comes in and she sings three songs with a backing guitarist and a pianist and you just gotta go online and check it out. It's a great performance. I think it really under it really shows you the simple beauty and the genius of her song. She's just such a raw vocalist. I mean she can carry a room she can mesmerize you. She can just make you feel so many feels when she's singing. So go and check that out. It's one of my all-time favorite Tiny Desk concerts. Fun fact about that show at the end of her song, Chasing Pavements, the lyrics are, should I keep up or should I just keep keep chasing pavements? And she changes the lyrics from pavements to sidewalks for us Americans who are watching and don't know what a pavement is. (laughs) So I like how she modified the words there for her American audience. It's a really great part of the show. And during the Tiny Desk concert, she's like laughing and giggling and she's in her like Famous British accents. um, It's great. So definitely go and check it out. That was in 2011. And later on that year, she started touring to promote her album. In October of 2001, she had been touring for most of the year. She was exhausted. And towards the end of that year, she had to cancel two tours because um, two tour dates because of a vocal cord hemorrhage. So she released a statement saying she needed more time to rest to avoid potential permanent damage to her voice. So she canceled some tour dates in the U.S. It was really heartbreaking and really difficult for her. But thankfully, in November of 2011, she went to Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, my previous hometown. And she had some laser surgery done on her vocal cords to remove a benign polyp. So she got really lucky there. She'd been touring a lot, exhausting her voice, wearing herself out. She got really sick. And thankfully, she was able to get expert medical attention in the US and she had some surgery to remove some benign polyps on her vocal cords. So thankfully, she's all better now and she's touring again. So I want to talk a little bit about what Adele got up to between her album 21 and her album 25. So in between albums, she doesn't give us much insight into what she's up to. She's pretty private. She doesn't use social media all that much. But we do know that mid-2011, after she released her record 21, she met Simon Konecki. So he is kind of an interesting guy. He's 14 years older than her and had a daughter from a previous marriage. But they started dating mid-2011. Um, I did a little bit of research on him. To be honest, he's not wildly exciting. He went to Eton, which is a very posh school in the UK. It's where Harry and William went as well. And um, he previously had worked as a banker and a trader for Lehman Brothers. So he was in the financial world, probably made a ton of money. And then he got out of that industry to found a charity called Lifewater UK. So pretty interesting guy. He's not super famous, not super well-known, but they met and started dating. Um, They were dating and then in... October of 2012, they had a son. So their son, Angelo James Adkins, was born on 19th October of 2012. Adele was only 24 years old when she gave birth, so she became a mom um, quite early in her life. And their relationship was, was very private. They were together for about seven years. It was rumored they were wed in 2016 or 17, and they amicab- amicably divorced in 2019. So She's recently divorced, Um, they share custody of their son, and I'm sure they're raising him as best they can. I think he still lives in the UK and Adele now lives in the US, but I'm not sure how that works. Um, But anyway, that's her personal life. That was her partner for a long time. And she met him after 21 had been released. So after the success of that album, she took some time off to rest her vocal cords and do all those things in life, such as have a kid, Get married, be a partner, be a mom. And then later on in 2012, she came back to the Grammys and she kind of made her world I'm back entrance at the Grammys in 2012. Um, She won in all categories for which she was nominated, all six categories for which she was nominated, including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year, making her the second female artist in Grammy history after Beyonce to win that many categories in a single night. So, pretty incredible way to sweep the Grammys, Adele. Uh, In October of 2012, she also revealed that she had written the song Skyfall for the James Bond soundtrack. This song went on to win a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for Best Song. She also won a Grammy for that song as well. So, 2012 was a pretty big year for her. Um, She took some time after 2012 to, you know, as I mentioned, have a kid, be a partner, raise her family, and... I think a lot of people were confused by that. Here she was, had just released her second album, had all the success after her second album was still relatively new in the US, but she realized she needed to take some time off. So spent a lot of time being a mom, having her family, didn't really ever post much on social media. She is famously very private. So nobody really knew what was going on for those couple years. So thankfully in November of 2015, She released 25, which is her most recent album. So it was a pretty big gap between 21 and and 25. It was about four and a half years that she did not release any new music. So fans were really happy when she started to announce that she was working on music and she was releasing a new album in November of 2015. So earlier in 2015, she confirmed the album's title to be 25 and she stated that my last record was a breakup record and if i had to label this one i would call it a makeup record making up for lost time making up for everything i ever did and never did 25 is about getting to know who i've become without realizing and i'm sorry it took so long but you know life happened it's okay adele we still love you (laughs) so adele also believes that 25 will be her last album titled after her age believing it will be the end of a trilogy She's really into numbers, obviously. Those numbers on her records hold a lot of meaning to her. And again, I think it's a nice way to kind of commemorate those years of your life. Like listen to the differences between the album 19 and the album 25. She's grown. She's matured. She's lived a lot of life between those six years. So I like how she titles her albums after her age. It also makes me a little bit jealous that she (laughs) wrote these albums so early in her life like if and when I ever write an album, it'll be like age like 52, you know? It's like she learned and experienced so many things in her lifetime that many of us won't experience. And the fact that she was able to articulate that and write that and create such beautiful music from those life experiences just blows me away. So 25 was her most recent album. The first single was Hello. And the video for Hello was released in October of 2015. It was viewed over 27.7 million times on YouTube in its first 24 hours. It broke the Vivo record for most views in a day, surpassing the 20.1 million views, which was previously held by Taylor Swift for her video, Bad Blood. And it's a great video. Both Bad Blood and Hello are amazing videos. Um, Later on that month in October of 2015, the BBC News reported that Hello was being viewed on YouTube at an average of 1 million times an hour. Show me a video of a cat playing with a puppy that has 1 million views per hour. Yeah, I'll wait. You can't find it. This is insane. A million times an hour, this video is being viewed. Unreal. So the video for Hello went on to become the fastest video to hit 1 billion views on YouTube, which is achieved after only 88 days, which is incredible. 1 billion views on YouTube is, that's huge viewership. It's insane. Um, I think a part of it is just people were curious to see what Adele had been up to. After four and a half years of not making music, they were like, what's this video about? So it's a very well-known video. It's a very British video. In the f- video, it's black and white. There's a red phone box, there's a cup of tea. It's a very British video. Um, It's really well done. And I think why I love this video is because of the SNL parody of this video (laughs) has made me love this video even more. So SNL brilliantly parodied this video on their November 22nd, 2015 episode. I now associate this video with Thanksgiving because in the video on SNL, the family is all sitting around a table. They start talking. They're disagreeing on political arguments. They're disagreeing on different opinions and this and that, and they're all starting to argue. And then the little girl starts playing the hello song and the family all just <laughs> stands up and starts singing. At one point in the video, everything goes black and white, And people start looking like Adele and singing and and dancing like Adele. It's hilarious. Go and watch it right now. I will wait. It's amazing. So this video on SNL is something that I repost every year around Thanksgiving. The entire idea of the video is that no one can agree on politics around the dinner table, but the one thing we can all agree on is Adele and her incredibleness. So go check out the video. Matthew McConaughey is in the video lot of members of the SNL cast from the video. It's hilarious. So this album, 25, was released in November. I'm pretty sure I played this album exclusively throughout the month of November 2015. I played it at our Thanksgiving dinner table for sure. So this album has really become my Thanksgiving holiday music. I love when records can take you back to a time and place such as that. You know, I have Thanksgiving music I have Christmas music, of course, but I love when you can listen to a record and it just solidifies a certain time and place in your mind. That's what this record does for me. It's incredible. So the album was really successful. By the end of 2015, it had sold 12.3 million units globally, and it was the year's seventh best-selling single, despite it being released in late October. So she released the album late in the year and it was still a smash success. It was the best-selling album worldwide of 2015, with 17.4 million copies sold, and since then, 25 has sold 20 million copies globally. So, hell of an effort, Adele. Nice comeback after a couple years off. So, after she released 25, She started going on tour in early 2016. She went on a world tour. This tour included six nights at Madison Square Garden in New York, eight nights at the Staples Center in LA, and four nights at the Air Canada Center in Toronto. Adele broke Taylor Swift's five-show record for most consecutive sold-out shows at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, which is a huge deal to shatter that record held by Taylor Swift. She also, during the year headlined at Glastonbury Festival, which is a huge festival in the UK. Um, Massive, massive festival. It's held on this huge farm. It's usually always really muddy and rainy, but people love it. And at this festival, she was headlining her set and she famously cursed up a storm. If you guys go online and check it out, Google Adele at Glastonbury. (laughs) She's swearing so much during her set. She got in a bit of trouble for this. Um, All the UK tabloids went after her. She was swearing left and right. She said she was really nervous before she went on stage at Glastonbury because she had always been a fan of the festival. You know, it's meant so much to her as a kid. And then she gets on stage (laughs) and just swears like a pirate. So go online and check it out. It's a great set. Um, So she did that in 2016. In early 2017, she started touring in Australia and New Zealand and she sold out her tour dates in New Zealand in 23 minutes. She shattered records all over the place. And in Sydney, in Australia, on her Australian leg of the tour, she had 100,000 fans pack the ANZ Stadium for her show. So she's huge in Oz and New Zealand. Um, In 2016, she also did Carpool Karaoke with James Corden, which became a viral hit with more than 213 million views on YouTube. Carpool Karaoke is one of my favorite things on the internet. James Corden has a celebrity hop in the car with them and they drive around and sing songs. Simple genius. It is incredible. So in this episode, James Corden picks up Adele in a Range Rover. They drive around London. They sing Adele's songs. They sing the Spice Girls. Adele raps Nicki Minaj's part in the song Monster, which is incredible. Go check it out. It's insane. So That was a pretty big year for her. 25 did really well uh, at the Grammys in 2017. Adele won all five of her nominations, which brought her total number of Grammy Awards to 15 Grammys. She'd only released three albums at that point. She's only released three albums ever, plus one single for the James Bond soundtrack. Yet she's won 15 Grammys. Just let that sink in for a second. I'm just amazed by that. So Adele is you a know, very incredible artist. Um, I want to talk about the influences that influenced her when she was a kid. She grew up in London. She was surrounded by a lot of great music in London, went to the Brit school, surrounded by a lot of other great, you know, really talented students and instructors at that school. But some of her early influences were the Spice Girls. She is a diehard Spice Girls fan. On her Instagram recently, she posted a photo of her as a kid with all of her Spice Girls posters on her bedroom wall, and I have never felt more seen in my life. I was the exact same way as a kid, obsessed with the Spice Girls. Ginger was my favorite. Ginger Spice was Adele's favorite Spice when she was a kid, so I just feel like we're kindred spirits, you know? (laughs) So Adele listened to a lot of the Spice Girls growing up. She listened to a lot of uh, Sinead O'Connor, musician from Ireland listened to The Cranberries, another Irish band. She listened to Dusty Springfield. She loved The Cure. She actually covered a Cure song called Love Song on her album 21. Her mom was a huge fan of The Cure. And this was actually the first concert Adele ever went to as a kid. She saw The Cure in London. And The Cure, I think, really inspired her throughout the rest of her childhood and now into her career as well. So fun fact about this, when Adele was recording her album 21 in Malibu with Rick Rubin. She was at Shangri-La Studios and she was feeling very homesick. She missed London, missed her family, missed being in the UK. I mean, if you're in Malibu, I assume you probably don't miss like the weather in the UK, but she was missing home. So Rick Rubin actually suggested as a way to help her feel less homesick that she record a Cure song. So she records Love Song. It's a beautiful version of the song. And she calls up her mom and says, Mom, I've recorded Love Song by The Cure. It's going to be on my next album. And her mom actually got mad at her. She was like, how dare you? How dare you take that song and re-record it? You better not mess that up. You better not mess up that beautiful song. (laughs) So in my opinion, she didn't mess it up. I think she made it better. It's a really beautiful, haunting emotive version of The Cure's love song. It's on the 21 album. I think it's really funny that her mom was so concerned that she would somehow, you know, distort the original Cure song. But I think she made it better. So she loved The Cure growing up. She loved Annie Lennox, Celine Dion. As a teenager, she got much more into R&B. So she was into artists such as Aaliyah, Missy Elliott, Destiny's Child. She's been a Beyonce fan for a long time, starting with Destiny's Child, Uh, also when Adele was a teenager, she saw Pink perform in London. It was right after the Misunderstood album came out. She was really inspired by that record. She's a big Pink fan. Um, In her teenage years, she also found some Etta James and Ella Fitzgerald albums in her local music shop. And I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. This is why we still need record stores. Because wandering through a record shop... Pulling out albums, discovering new music, discovering new records or old records is one of the best ways to expose yourself to new music, pick up something that you wouldn't normally pick up. I mean, record shops are living, breathing pieces of history. I feel very passionately about this. And, you know, streaming services are great. Spotify is great. I use it every day. I love it. But there's something to be said for digging through the crates for an old record, old CD, old cassette tape, if you will, that cannot be replaced. That cannot be provided digitally. I mean, think about all the artists that you grew up with. How many CDs did you own as a kid? I owned dozens of CDs as a kid. I still have a lot of them. And the great thing about owning CDs is you get liner notes with the CD. I cannot tell you how many hours of my youth I spent pouring through CD liner notes, reading the lyrics, looking at the pictures, looking at the co-writers and the other musicians on the on the CD on the record, reading the thank yous from the artists in their liner notes, um noticing what record companies were producing those albums. I mean, that stuff to me, is just critical knowledge. <laughs> like if you're a true fan, you're going to own the CD. You're going to know who wrote the songs, what the song is about, every word of that song. And Adele was very lucky. She had a lot of great record stores in her hometown. So this is why we still need record stores. It inspires young artists to listen to other artists and keep writing incredible music. So Adele found Etta James and Ella Fitzgerald as a kid. She started studying those albums. She would listen to an Ella Fitzgerald album for an hour before she went to bed every night. She learned really how to sing and and be use her emotions in her voice when she was listening to these artists. So never underestimate the power of a local record shop. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk. So a lot of great artists here. Um, Another huge inspiration for Adele was Amy Winehouse. Um, She was a huge inspiration for her. Amy Winehouse was another student at the Brit School. Adele has been compared to Amy quite a lot, maybe because they're both London girls and they both have kind of a soulful sound to them. Adele and Amy also wore that kind of beehive hairstyle for a while, so I think maybe that's a part of it. Sadly, Amy passed away at age 27 due to drugs. Um, Adele is still going strong. So... Love Amy Winehouse, love what she's done for modern music. Um, Adele was also a huge fan of Queen. She was a huge fan of Madonna. Her album Ray of Light, which came out in 1998, had a huge influence on Adele. I mean, Adele was 10 years old when Madonna's Ray of Light album came out, and that was a pretty big record for Madonna. Um, Adele loves a lot of pop music too. You know, she's talked a lot about Taylor Swift. You know, the Taylor Swift song, I Knew You Were Trouble When You Walked In, directly influenced Adele's song, Send My Love to Your New Lover. Uh, It was produced by Max Martin. And Adele was quoted as saying that she was working on, I think it was a 21 album, and she heard the song, I Knew You Were Trouble, at a cafe when she was having lunch in the States. And she immediately looked up who was the record producer. It was Max Martin. They started working together and they produced the song, Send My Love to Your New Lover which appeared on her album, 25. It's a great song. It's a little more pop than Adele had previously done in the past, but that song was directly inspired by Taylor Swift. We should not forget about Beyonce as well. i save the best for last. Adele is a massive fan of Queen Bay. When Adele won the Grammy of the year for 25 in her acceptance speech, she thanked Beyonce and called her the artist of her life. It's a beautiful video. Adele was backstage. She had just won a Grammy, and they announced that she had also won the Grammy of the Year for the album 25. And in her acceptance speech, she gets really emotional. Beyonce and Jay Z are sitting front row, and Adele turns directly to Beyonce and says, You're the artist of my life. Thank you for your art. Thank you for bearing your soul with us. It's so beautiful. Beyonce is crying, Adele is crying. It gives you all the feels. So just go and check it out go watch it. Beyonce is a huge influence for Adele. Adele is a massive fan of Beyonce on her <laughs> social media. Adele releases these videos and these pictures whenever Beyonce releases new music. It's basically a photo of Beyonce on the TV and Adele staring up in adoration at Beyonce. She did it for the Homecoming Netflix special when that came out. She did it when Black is Kane came out recently over the summer. Go check out her Instagram and you will see Adele's adoration of Queen Bay. So I want to talk about Adele's singing style right now. Um, as I mentioned, she was trained at the Brit School in London. She's a mezzo-soprano and that voice range is, is pretty unique. Um, so the lowest note that Adele can hit is a B2 while the highest note she can hit is a D6. So that means she has a vocal range of about 3 octaves. And to give you some, you know, background here, a vocal range is the span of somebody's voice from the lowest note to the highest note that, that they can hit. So, a 3 octave vo- vocal range is pretty common for, you know, a lot of pop singers and just singers in general. Her vocal range is not that extensive, to be honest. It's not really that special. You know, she can hit higher notes, but she doesn't really have the vocal range that other artists might have. You know, among professional singers, a four octave vocal range is very common. So the fact that she just sits in that three octave range is, you know, kind of unique. She doesn't have the greatest range, but I think what she lacks for in range, she really makes up with with soul, with tone, with the emotions that she brings into her performance with her songwriting capabilities. Um, you know, she can't hit those high notes. She can't hit those low notes. She is not an opera singer. She is not a theatrical musical theater type singer, but she is steady. She's consistent. She has some soul and some raspy qualities to her voice, which make her voice all that more unique. I think she listens really well to herself when she sings. She is really an incredible performer which I think really adds to her skill set. So I think she's incredible. Um, vocal ranges are, are interesting because there's a lot of artists who have a three octave vocal range. You know, it's, it's pretty common. Um, to give you an example, artists with three octave vocal ranges are artists such as Celine Dion, Usher, Kesha, Alicia Keys, Kelly Clarkson, Rihanna. Artists with a four octave vocal range, those artists I can hit much higher notes are some artists such as Christina Aguilera, Whitney Houston, Cindy Lauper. I mean, ever try to sing Girls Just Want to Have Fun at Karaoke? That song is high. It's really high. It is um, surprisingly high. It's really hard to sing. So Cindy Lauper's got a four octave vocal range. (laughs) Leona Lewis, who also studied with Adele at the Brit School. Ariana Grande has a four octave vocal range. You guys know how often Ari hits those super high notes. She's got a lot of power to her voice. Um, Freddie Mercury has a four octave vocal range. So, you know, four, five octaves are really kind of exceptional vocal ranges. Mariah Carey and Ariana Grande both have a five octave vocal range. They can hit some of those really high notes. I mean, Mariah Carey's mother was an opera singer. Maybe that's where she gets it but she has a very extensive range, can hit some super high notes and some much lower notes as well. So Adele is only a three octave singer, but that doesn't mean she's any less special. You know, she has that incredible tone to her voice. She has a beautiful style to her voice. She has a very distinctive voice. I mean, if you hear her sing a song, you know it's Adele. There's not much, you know, um, thinking to do here. You know it's Adele. She's got a very unique quality to her voice. And she's an excellent songwriter. She's written every album she's produced. I think her writing style is pretty simple, but it's, it's it's just so beautiful in its simplicity. She doesn't write overly flowery songs. She writes songs that are pretty relevant and songs that most people can relate to. So I think that's really where her sweet sauce is. You know, She's very emotive when she sings, she's very soulful. She can do a song that's more of a pop song and then sing a beautiful slow ballad that makes you want to cry. She's got a lot of, I think, what's the word? Variety and a lot of capability in her voice and her songwriting um, talents. I think she's a very well-rounded artist. So she's amazing. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys that. She's great. Um, her record obviously speaks for itself. She has a lot of followers on Spotify. She has 24 million monthly monthly listeners. She's 94th in the world. She has 23.8 million followers on Spotify. And to give you an idea of just how popular her songs are, someone like you has 8 889 million plays on Spotify. So, she's very well known. <laughs> Her songs are the type of songs you can just play over and over again, and I think hear something different each time you play the song. So her songs have so much depth depth to them, and you know, I could just listen to her records on repeat. So she's amazing. And it's been really fun researching her and learning more about her music. I've created a playlist on Spotify featuring Adele's music plus the artist that inspired her. So find me on Spotify at Lizzie B. Go and check it out. I hope you guys enjoy that playlist. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed recording it and and researching all these things for you. So I would love to hear your feedback. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at The Fangirl Podcast on Spotify at Lizzie B. And make sure to download Anchor. You can subscribe to the show through the Anchor app. You can also subscribe via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because that's how you guys, I guess, bump up the podcast on on Apple Podcasts and get more people to listen to the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Looking forward to hearing your feedback on the episode. And hope you guys have a great week. Thanks a lot. Bye.